Hey y'all, I'm Taylor DeHayes. I'm obsessed with all things business and fitness. I left my career as a TV reporter, followed my dreams, and created a multiple six-figure online coaching business in just one year. Now I'm sharing my strategy with you. Oh, and we'll keep it real, discussing mindset, money, and hardship to help you build the life of your dreams. So grab a cup of coffee and get cozy. Again, welcome to the Tailored Living Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. So this has been a highly requested topic and one that I have never intentionally strayed from, but people have always asked me, you know, what happened? Why did you leave TV? That was something that you were invested in for a decade, not to mention received multiple degrees in. So how how did you leave something that you were so passionate about, something that you were so invested in, something that you spend so much time crafting, cultivating? And for the first time ever, I want to share my story, my full transparent story. The the good, the bad, the ugly, the tears, the <laughs> the sweat, all of that. And so, you know, to give to give myself to, to kind of put me in the mood today, I'm actually drinking out of a a cup from one of my previous stations and I am drinking coffee from my favorite college uh, coffee shop. So shout out to Lakota in Columbia, Missouri, you guys. I literally spent so many days uh, sitting there studying, crafting my scripts and just, just, you know, thinking about the day that I would be on national television in front of a huge audience and making a difference and doing investigative reporting overseas and and possibly even correspondence work and and it's it's just it's so surreal because I've you know my friends and my family they know the full story but I think for those of my followers on Instagram or my clients you know I've I've realized that some people were unaware that I actually had a job prior to fitness or or have have you know felt some kind of pity, like, oh, I'm sorry that that you left that job. And so, like I said, today I really want to spend some time sharing my story, but not so much to say, hey, look, I did this, but to give you the encouragement that if you are feeling like something is not right, if you are feeling like you may let someone down by doing something outside of your degree, this is your nudge to go for it. This is your nudge to let the world see your passion. This is your nudge to stop holding yourself back because at the end of the day, no one else's opinions matter except for yours. So I want to break down a lot for you guys. And I also want to give you a few tips for how I scaled my business very early on and how I was able to hit my first six figures within my first seven months of business. So let's take it all back, guys. So, you know, I was very, very young, uh, probably 11 years old when I knew that I wanted to be a television reporter. I remember sitting in class and we had this test, uh, something about finding your career. I don't remember what it was. You You guys might remember what I'm talking about, but you took this test and based on a series of answers, it would kind of tell you what career path was best for you. And I remember getting journalist 
it literally said that. And I was like, wow, that's kind of unique. You know, it's pretty specific too. And my friends were getting, you know, accountant or uh, I don't know, marketing, whatever. And mine's a journalist. And I was like, man, that's, that's what I want to do. I want to fix what's wrong. I want to uncover corruption. I want to serve those in need. I want to give a voice to the voiceless. And uh, that is the, that is the path that I took. And I knew it was going to be tough, right? Being on TV is challenging. Not everybody gets gets to make it there. And not everybody is going to have, you know, the same experience climbing that ladder, right? Because think about it. How many, how many people are on national television? I'm talking like the national ABC, CBS, the national Fox, CNN, those places, right? It's not a lot of people. And once somebody makes it, I mean, they, they're there until either something really happens that, you know, breaks a contract, but typically it's either until that person retires, um, you know, or something like that. So I, my senior year when I was looking for colleges, um, I ended up going to the University of Missouri and moved from uh, the Dallas area. That's where I'm from, Dallas, moved to Columbia, Missouri. I knew nobody there. None of my friends were going there, but I knew that that was the best school for journalism. I was so excited. And, uh, you know, I found my way there, started out at a radio station, ended up working at a TV station. And the coolest part about school was that Mizzou was very, very, um, very ahead of other colleges, right? So it, we literally had a journalism school. It was not a communications or a marketing or something like that. I mean, we had 26 different emphasis areas for journalism. So I know there's more now, but you know, I could have done documentary. I could have done magazine writing, magazine editing, print, broadcast, radio, whatever, right? And so my undergrad was in broadcast and my master's was in investigative reporting. And so when I was a junior in undergrad, I was working at an NBC affiliate and started out, you know, around the age of, of 20 on television, uh, 19 maybe even. So that's where I started. And I would go to class. I would get off. I would be live at 11 o'clock. And um, that is that is what I did for a long time. And you know, I loved it. And I remember professors saying that, you know, whenever you left college, journalism was something that you would have to pay your dues in. It was something that in your first job, you would have to shoot your own video. You would have to shoot your own live shots. So let me just paint a picture of this for you, right? So I'm, I'm in college and I'm, I'm getting the hang of all this stuff. And I would get sent out on an assignment and I, I leave and I have one one huge luggage looking thing with a camera and in one hand I've got a tripod over my shoulder and then on my back I've got my laptop, my you know, everything else in there because when it was time to go live, um that was on me. I didn't have a photographer, you know, with me. So I remember I had to have a live backpack. So I would literally connect this giant backpack. Like you guys, I'm like literally 
19 years old. Okay. My friends are like out at bars and I'm over here like going live. Okay. So <laughs> this is my Friday. These are my Friday nights in college. So if you guys wonder how I teach, you know, crazy cycling classes in the morning, it's because I've always uh, been one to wake up early and just like stick to my stuff. So I remember setting up and I would have to, you know, pray that there was a freaking signal that I could connect to and then connect this backpack to my camera and then get a signal and then put in, you know, in my, in my headphones, I could hear my producer and I'd basically wait for them to tell me to go, in which case I was live. And that's how it was. And I, I edited all my own stuff. And a lot of the times there wasn't time to go back to the station, right? Because I would get sent, you know, however far away I would have to edit in the back of a van or whatever. And then I would pray that, you know, I could connect my, um, my cell phone to a service and I would send back my video, make sure that it was approved. And that is how it was. So you guys, and, and keep in mind too, I mean, this was all happening in about, I don't know, three or so hours. You come in, you don't know what your story is yet. I mean, you have pitches, but you hope that they like your pitches. Maybe they don't like your pitches. And then after that, you set up your interviews. By the time you get an interview set up, you've been there for an hour or so. By the time you get the interview done, edit your stuff, get video, all of that. So it was a very, very, very high stress job. I mean, high, high, high stress. However, that was me anyway, right? So I have always been somebody who thrives under pressure, thrives under stress. So that was kind of the the picture of news in college for me. So then I stayed for grad school. And I remember I just knew that I, I had this dream that I just wanted to work for 60 Minutes. In some capacity, I wanted to be at 60 Minutes. I wanted to do these big national investigations. I I was such a nerd when it came to data analytics, um, Excel spreadsheets, creating pivot tables, um, enterprise tables, all of this. And so... I, I had a, I, like I said, I had a knack. I also was somebody who was very good at the classic door knock confrontation story. Right. And so, you know, I, I was very excited for this. And so my last semester of school, uh, my college had a program where for our thesis, if you will, we would do a, what was called a professional project. And in that project, you are supposed to get stationed with, uh, another station. Okay. So, and, and something that's not really in your city or somewhere else and, and it's up to you and it's unpaid because you get credit. So I was like, well, man, uh, can't get paid, have to move. Interesting. Interesting. I, ah, Dallas. And I was like, oh man, Dallas is huge though. I'm probably not going to get that. So I started making connections at a station in Dallas and, uh, really, really had a great connection with an investigative reporter there. Um, and, uh, worked very closely and and he was like, man, I want you come on in. And so I ended up getting a, uh, you know, internship ish kind of thing at a, at the ABC affiliate in Dallas. And I was like, oh my goodness. I mean, I was over the moon excited because typically wherever you are in your project, it ends up being your first job, right? Because you've been there for a few months, they get to see your work. And as long as you are, you know, not messing things up left and right, you've got a really great shot of kind of moving into that position. So it was nice. I was, I was home for the first time in six years. That was comfortable. Um, I was loving my internship. I had so much fun and, and I was offered a job. I was offered a job on the investigative team and I 
was like, oh my gosh, there's this is crazy. How did this happen to me? So just to kind of give you a idea of TV market sizes, they are all based on how many eyeballs are on the teeth are on the screen, right? Like how many, how big the demographic is, things like that, right? So um, it's not it's not based on. I mean, it's population, but essentially just how many, um, how big the demographic area is. So number one is New York. Okay. No one's surprised there. Number five is Dallas. Okay. Typically, you know, and I don't know, I don't know what 200 is, but you know, very, very teeny tiny towns across the country. Okay. So somebody making it to a station like that at the age of, you know, 24, 25, that's very unheard of. So I was I mean, I just was over the moon. So I go back to Mizzou. I go to my master's graduation. And the day before my master's graduation ceremony, I get a phone call from the station, from the uh, investigative reporter that I had been working with very closely, who told me that they made a change. They actually were bringing back a former investigative team member and that I did not have a job. So, (laughs) so as the person I am, somebody who is, you know, I mean, so driven, very motivated, self-motivated, um, I was, was not that excited on my graduation day because I was panicking because I didn't have a job lined up. And I am the last person that, that, that would have happened to, at least in my mind, that that's something that I, that was my biggest fear and it was, it was coming true. So I basically was just using all of my resources and I ended up getting an investigative job in a small town in East Texas, Tyler, Texas, um, Rose Capital, shout out. So (laughs) it was about two hours away from home, which was, I I wasn't trying to find anything near home necessarily, but I was like, well, okay, that's a plus. It's also investigative. That's cool. Um, and my first salary was around 35 K a year. And I was just like, oh man, okay, here we go. This is what I was told, right? I was always told that your first job out of, or in, in news rather, is going to be very low paying. And, and that's just part of the process, right? And I accepted that. I accepted the fact that that was part of the process. So first two years, it was pretty much a college extension. I was live every day, multiple times a day. I was getting sent an hour, two hours away. I was doing, um, even though I was supposed to be doing investigative reporting, I was doing pretty much anything but that. If I, I was lucky if I could do an investigative story once a quarter. Um, and that was kind of the momentum I was going. I wasn't happy. I didn't like it. I, I struggled every single day. It was also a salary job. And if there's anything to know about TV, it's, it's that no day is ever only eight hours. I mean, you were there for 10, 12, who knows? And then if somebody was sick, I would stay for the later shift. Uh, there was no overtime compensation. There were probably five or six times in that two year stint that I had to work 10 days straight and again, was not compensated despite being told that I would be compensated. Um, and by compensated, I don't mean money. I mean, you can have an extra day off maybe, but that, (laughs) that maybe never happened. So I, I knew that I was, you know, paying my dues and I, I put my head down. I did what I had to. 
And because I wasn't making enough money, uh, and might I add, at this time, I was competitively powerlifting. I was very, very into fitness. I, I had always been, but I was I was really getting into the competitive side of that and really honing in on my craft. And uh, so I just remember... I mean, the first thing I did when I got off is I would go home, I'd work on my programming, I'd wake up, I'd teach a cycling class, I'd go to work. I mean, I was up from 5 a.m. every single day until about, you know, 10 o'clock at night and I would do it every single day. And then on the weekends to support my fitness, right, my coach and my habits and lifestyle, I worked at Lululemon on the weekends and I literally would drive, which sounds like, oh, cool, awesome, what a fun job. And you're not wrong. I loved it. I loved it. Um, I would drive two hours to Dallas every single weekend just to work at Lulu, and then I would drive back the same day. So I would not stay the night at my parents because I really wanted to have one day where I just had nothing to do. So you guys, every Sunday, I just pretty much sloughed. (laughs) Like that's all I really did. And it was very challenging to make friendships or to, uh, you know, have any kind of relationship. Might I add, I was certainly not dating. Okay. Like that, that was a non-existent, that was definitely non-existent. So I, it was getting close to my contract being up and I started dabbling in bodybuilding. And that is when I did my first bikini show. And this is when, this is when I started to realize I feel like I am hiding who I am and sacrificing who I am for something that I don't know if it's actually for me. So at this point, I had missed, you know, Christmases, holidays, all of that because TV never stops. And I will never forget when I started prepping, you know, I would post my progress photos. I would talk about my progress. I would go through the journey, right? Because it was exciting for me. It was the first time I had ever gone through through prep and this was my outlet, right? You know, I I hated my job. I knew it was temporary. And, and and let me just say it wasn't reporting that I didn't like. It was the way I was treated, the way management acted. Um just the whole experience wasn't it was very hostile. It was not a productive or healthy environment to be in. And I remember getting called into my boss's office and I remember her making the comment that my ass is not cute and that if I want to be a serious reporter, I need to hide that or basically decide between reporting and bodybuilding. And at that moment, I I had never been told that because every time somebody asked me um, about, you know, fitness goals or whatever, people thought it was so cool that I was able to have a career and be a TV reporter and I was also able to be a competitive athlete and they thought that was so cool to have a multifaceted reporter in their community, somebody that was more than just, you know, news. And uh, it brought depth to me and I was not going to change that. And also this was a time where I I had a sponsorship with a supplement company and so I was able to make a little bit of commission that way. And in order for me to make commission, I needed to have a public Instagram. It couldn't be private. So I would kind of go back and forth like every few days I would turn my Instagram on like private and then I would go back public and it was just like this huge mess and it was it sounds so silly thinking back but 
the two months before my contract ended, I had my first bikini show. I competed and uh, posted my stage shots because I was so proud. And my boss called me in her office again and basically was like, I told you not to put these photos up. And I was like, but look, it's not a progress photo. Like this is me on stage. This is me in a competitive setting. I'm so confused. (laughs) Like how this is any different from you know, the main anchor or something posting a bikini photo for Memorial Day. I was very confused. This is me as an athlete on stage. It is not a sexual thing. This is, it's a, it's a sport, you know? And, um, it was much more vocal from her end and much more silent from my end, but she told me to either take them down or I would be suspended from the station. And I didn't take them down. I just basically made my Instagram private and, uh, that's when it really all started for me. And I remember going to different interviews and a San Antonio station expressed interest in me. And I went down there for the interview on a Saturday because I could not get time off to go to an interview despite it being in the same company as my current station. Um, and basically, you know, they, they like to ask you some questions, go over some stories, things like that. And he turned his computer around and he had this look on his face. It was almost like a, like a, I gotcha moment. And I didn't know where this was going. So he turns the computer around. He was like, can you, can you explain this photo? And it was literally a photo of me on stage. And I said, of course I can. One of the happiest days of my life. One of my most proudest accomplishments. I'm a bikini competitor. And he was just like, well, you're never going to be taken seriously as an investigative reporter as long as you are doing this on the side. I said, that is your opinion. I, and I respect that. But sir, I've never been treated any differently from sources or anything like that. So, you know, it was one of those things. And then I ended up getting the job, but it was so low paying and I didn't want to work with anybody like that. Um, I also found out later that their main anchor was – basically let go because she started competing. And I said, oh my gosh, this is, this is absolutely insane to me. So at this point, I have one month left of my contract. I don't know where I'm going. Um, and one of my mentors suggested that I speak with the station in Cleveland. Now, Cleveland, mind you, the station that I'm at now Tyler, Texas, market 109, 109, okay? It is a small, small, small baby market. Cleveland is market 17. So I said, there's no way I'm going to go from 109 to 17. That is, you know, and that's, that's almost 100 markets up, right? So I speak to the person on camera, or not on camera, excuse me, on the phone, And the news director, we just vibed very well. He ended up offering me a job to work on the, it was an enterprise kind of unit that they had. So they had an investigative unit and then they also had an enterprise team, which basically did um, not daily stories, but they would turn like smaller investigations every week. And I thought that was going to be so cool. I was very excited for that. And I signed my contract. I was so hype. I was like, oh my gosh, like you guys, I freaking made it. Then at the same time, I had another Cleveland station that was offering me a job as well on their investigative team. And 
I, I thought it was so – there was something about Cleveland. Like something was pulling me to Cleveland. They could not figure out what it was, but I, I knew I had to go there. And so I I moved, and right before I got there, I found out that the news director that hired me took a job in Chicago. And so I basically walked into a news director that did not care what I was promised – did not know who I was, did not know my talents, and basically just put me on the daily reporting. So at this point, I'm thinking, oh my God, this same thing just happened to me at my last station, right? And I cannot explain to you how poorly I was treated um, in this job. And this is when I started to really think, is this for me? Is reporting for me? How many years do I need to pay dues in order to be taken seriously? How many years, how many stories, how many awards do I need to win? How many conferences do I need to get invited to speak at? Because mind you, yeah, I was young, but I was getting flown to California to speak at conferences and New Orleans to speak at conferences. And teaching classes for other journalists. And I couldn't understand, you know, I made it this far because of my stories, because of the differences I was making in my community. And I was still not given any opportunities. I remember pitching investigative stories and they would just, oh, great idea. Let's give it to our investigative team. Uh, excuse me. That was, (laughs) that was, Hey, that was my story. So this is kind of how it was. And I was also put on the Saturday night shift, which I was told that every new reporter has to work that for two months. And then the next person who gets hired uh, takes that place. Let's just say that I was never taken off Saturday and I was also added to Sunday. (laughs) So my weekends were Monday, Tuesday. Um, The first week of working here, I was still in prep from my other bikini show and I was about so just to put a time frame I got this job in August of 2018 and I had a show in October okay so I was getting very very close to my show date and I was pulled into HR because I was posting pictures that were putting the station at risk. I was considered a liability because of my raunchy photos. So (laughs) this story gets better every time I tell it. So I'm very uncomfortable, right? I'm thinking like, holy shit, I'm the newest. I'm the youngest. I clearly am already not giving anyone a good taste in their mouth because of what I do for fun outside of work. And I, I couldn't understand it. So Um, this was all happening in in the background, right? Not to mention because I was working a Saturday shift, I could never get a Saturday off. And it wasn't because I was trying to get a weekend off. I would just want a day off, right? I, you know, Saturday to me was Friday in my head. So, um, that was very challenging. So I felt this is when I really took a step back after about six months at this job, I started getting, uh, certified to coach macros and to do nutrition coaching. I started working on all of these things in the background because I just, I didn't necessarily feel like anything was going to happen, but I kept saying like, at the end of this contract, if this is still how it is, I'm leaving. 
I cannot do this for another two years. I do not want to be 30 years old and look back on my life and think, wow, I have missed a decade of Christmases. I have missed a decade of being with my family. um, And I have nothing to show for it other than stories that I was not invested in, stories that I didn't pitch myself, and stories that, quite frankly, I didn't give a shit about. So after this point, I remember the general manager or, excuse me, assistant news director, not general manager, the assistant news director uh, and I never really got along. And it is what it is. Um, I never really thought that I did anything, but, you know, just we've all had, we've all had bad managers, right? Just for whatever reason, they just are, you know, didn't, didn't love me. And she was new, newer, um, my news director and I had a great relationship and it was about six months in when, when this other person started. So I got invited to speak at an investigative reporters conference. Okay. And this was a year into my contract and I was like, Oh my God, maybe this is what's finally going to, to help them move me into this big role. And so I was asked to speak at, on a panel regarding, um, Excel, quick background checks, and I'm forgetting what else it was. But either way, it was going to be in front of, I mean, people on my panel speaking with me were at USA Today, the New York Times. Like, it was a very, very big deal. Uh, My station would not pay for me to go, even though they paid for the investigative team to go. They didn't pay for me to go. Um, So I paid my way to California, (laughs) but but they gave me the days off. So I come back and I was told that I was going to have a performance review. We do these, you know, every quarter. Mine are always like good, you know, check, 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 check. See you later. And this time I was called in 8 a.m. on a Friday and I was told that I was being let go because of, quote, performance issues. I had never had a performance issue I have never had a performance issue. I do not even know what that means to this day. But I told I was told that I was uh, getting laid off and that I had six weeks. So my contract was basically being terminated in the middle of uh, in the middle of the two year stint. And at that point, so oh, and I was also expected to stay and report that day. By the way, I uh, I remember my boss saying, "You know, go go grab a cup of coffee." sit in your car for a second, come back when you're ready and we'll see you at the pitch meeting. (laughs) So I go to my car. I start bawling, right? I'm, oh my God, I am bawling. I wasn't going to let them let, I did not want them to see me cry, but I'm just freaking bawling. And I, I, I dry off my tears. I gather my thoughts. I text my boss. I, I couldn't even call him. I couldn't even, I couldn't bring myself to going back in the station. Like I just couldn't do it. I had to, I had to, I had to take like a personal day. Okay. I didn't have those, but I took one anyway. So I texted my boss and I said, I need to take the day off. I have to figure out my life. I mean, I'm sorry, but you just told me that I have six weeks to figure things out. And, uh, I didn't know what to do. So I remember calling my boyfriend at the time and I was like, Hey, I think you have a half day today, right? Can we like hang out? And he was just like, is everything okay? And I was like, oh, yeah, everything's great. And I was terrified to tell him because 
I didn't want him thinking that I was going to move and, and we were getting very serious at this time. And I was just like, oh no, oh no, oh no. So I remember, you know, thinking, okay, is this my out? Is this my out? And and the thought, the thought, the thought of going to another news station made me so sick to my stomach. I mean, I can't, I'm like clenching my fists right now talking about this. I can't, I can't explain to you the feeling of entrapment that I felt. I felt like I had to hide who I was. I felt like I had to hide who my purpose or my purpose was. I felt like I had to just hide everything about me in order to be who I was supposed to be, whether it be how I did my hair, how I did my makeup, the lip color, whatever. I just felt like everything was so controlled and I was some, you know, ventriloquist dummy and I just like couldn't do it anymore. And I said to myself, I was thinking like, oh my God, is this my, is this my time to, to do fitness coaching full time? I don't know what the hell I'm going to do, but is this my time to do it? And so I I saw my boyfriend later that day and he was like, what's going on? Like, you're never off work. So what's happening? And I remember saying, I, in six weeks, I will no longer be in TV. And I just remember his face lit up and he was like, Taylor, this is the best thing that's ever happened to you. And he was so excited and then I was excited and then I was like, shit, okay, let's, let's go. So, you know, I literally never looked back. I never looked back. Um, I, you know, crossed my T's, dotted my I's, minded my business, kept my head down for the next six weeks, uh, coasted my way out of there. And, uh, I stayed in Cleveland. I stayed in Cleveland because my boyfriend was there. Like I said, we were we were looking at um, apartments together and things like that. So like that was getting very serious. And I really liked Cleveland. I had a really great set of friends there. Super excited. Um, but I had I had no idea, you guys, how to start a business. Okay, I didn't know what I was doing. I had no. I didn't know. I mean, I, I go back to that point in time, and I I remember thinking, you have two options, Taylor. You can either run backwards and find another station. It's not going to be in Cleveland, obviously. So you're going to have to move across the country somewhere else. You're going to be promised something that's not going to happen again. You're going to be miserable and you're going to be so mad that you didn't just go for it. Because breaking a contract is very, very expensive. So the fact that I actually was given an out was was pretty awesome. So I started a business. I freaking started a business. I worked with one of my friends in Cleveland who had a coaching business herself. Um, She gave me a few pointers and kind of helped me, you know, with the whole like, here's where you go for your your LLC, here's kind of what your prices should be, you know, just a few tips being, you know, very, very helpful. And, um, I started taking on clients. I had all the certifications. I had the experience. At this point, I I had been lifting and training for 15 years. I had been coaching my friends with macros for probably five. I just wasn't getting paid for it. And um, I remember I went from having total security to making my first month, I had, I think, three clients and I was making about $825. (laughs) eight hundred and twenty five dollars and I said, "Oh no, oh no, is this gonna work? I don't know, I don't know, I don't know so 
within four months, I built my business to about five to six K months. And within seven months, I built my business to six figures. And that is a milestone that I will forever be so grateful for. And I want to share just a few ways that I was able to make that happen. Because I think that looking back, um, there were a lot of moves that I did the right way. There were a lot of moves that I, I played the right chess pieces. And there's a lot of things that I see new online coaches focusing on. And I want to make sure that we're not using energy in the wrong spaces because this wasn't luck. This was strategy. It was a lot of planning. It was a lot of late nights. It was ruthlessly working. It was busting my ass. It was making sure that I was creating an experience for my clients that was so unique, but also so fulfilling and rewarding to me. So the first thing I want to say is sticking to the plan, okay? When you are new, it is going to be very challenging. You're going to feel like if somebody says says no, then you should lower your prices. Or if somebody says no, then you give up. Or if you don't hit your, let's say your goal is X amount of clients and you you fall short of that, you know, it's, it's challenging, right? And as, as a business owner, the biggest thing you need to be worrying about is how to create sustainable monthly return revenue, not these quick cash injections. Okay. So I had a target in mind. I didn't know how I was going to do it, but I did it. So what did I do? I I identified who my ideal client was from the very beginning. And when I say identifying your ideal client, I mean, you know, everything about this person. Are they parents? Where do they work? What's their lifestyle like? How old are they? What kind of job do they have? What is their salary-ish, right? Because you want to make sure that every single point of your marketing, of your pitch, is solving a pain point for that person, okay? Understanding that in order to be an amazing coach, you have to attract, but you also have to repel. Okay. Not every client is my ideal client. Not every client is your ideal client. Okay. So understanding who that person is, making sure it is crystal clear. If somebody goes to your page, they need to be able to say, yep, that person's for me. Not, "Eh, I don't really know. Should I maybe reach out? They need to know exactly what you stand for. Okay. The next point focusing on one offer. Okay. It's so easy to think, how can I get more money? Let me make a million eBooks. Let me make a million guides. No, 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 no. Focus on one offer. Focus on your high ticket offer. Okay. Do not think about group coaching. Do not think about low ticket guides. Do not think about selling something for $9.99. Okay. Unless you want to sell 900 of those a month, cross it off your list. So focusing on your high ticket offer, your private coaching, building that client roster, pitching ruthlessly, showing up every day, 
This is a big one, guys. Showing up every day on your stories, your face. I'm not just saying posting, your face on camera every day. Along with getting clients, you are building a community, okay? So if somebody goes to your page and they see your face, they read your post, they relate to you, and then they go to your story and they hear your voice, they hear what you sound like, they see what you're doing on the weekends for fun, they start to get that behind the scenes look. And then when you start to pitch things, they are more receptive because they trust you. They now see you as a peer, as a friend, as someone that is in their corner, ready to guide them, to pull them out of whatever dark place they are in, right? You become the solution to all of those pain points because at this point you have identified your ideal client. You have identified their problems and you have found a way to connect with them and resonate with them on another level. But you have to show up every single day. Never letting any bumps stop your momentum, okay? There will be slow weeks. There will be failed sales calls. There will be clients that cannot for the life of them follow your protocol. No matter how many calls you give them, how much extra attention you give them, there's just going to be some clients that don't really work out. There's also going to be clients that Choose to end working with you. And that is okay too. But you have to show up every day and you have to refrain from letting those those moments break you, okay? Because one thing about being your own business owner, or excuse me, being your own boss, is that it doesn't matter if you're having a good or a bad day. You have to show up. The end of 2019 was a very tough time for me. Um, Two months into my business, my boyfriend passed away. So I basically buried myself in work. That was my way of coping. Productive, maybe. Healthy, I'm not sure. But I will say there were so many days where I felt like there's no way I can motivate somebody. I can barely motivate myself to get out of bed because I was, I was so sad. Right. And and that was, that was kind of how the end of 2019 and beginning of 2020 went for me. However, helping other people made me happy. Helping other people reach their full potential made me feel very fulfilled. And even though I was having a bad day, yes, did I sit with that? Yes, did I attend therapy? Yes, did I take time for myself? But what I didn't do is I didn't take a hiatus from social media. I did not take a break from my clients. I did not give them less than, you know, lengthy, amazing, detailed check-ins. So keep those things in mind, guys, while you are starting your first businesses. And there are a few things that I will say you don't need to spend time on. Number one, a logo. I still don't have a logo, okay? Multiple six-figure business owner here. I don't have a logo. (laughs) doesn't matter. Number two, your website. Do not spend time on it. I do have a website. I made it about six months into my business, uh, mainly because I needed to create a sales page for a a group coaching um, project I was working on. However, I would say only 5% of my sales 
have been derived from a checkout on my website. And number three, stop wasting time on too many offers. Stop wasting time on comparing yourself to somebody's journey who is five, 10 years past you, okay? So I shared my story today with probably too many tangents, and that's okay. But I share this because I don't want you to ever feel stuck. It is very hard to walk away from financial security in hopes that you can start something better. And I want to say one of the biggest accomplishments for me of 2020 and one of the biggest forms of validation I felt was winning an Emmy. And I won that Emmy from the work I did in Cleveland. But it was after I left the job, right? And and to me, that was just the ultimate like validation that I did make a difference, that I did change lives, that it wasn't performance problems or whatever, right? And 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 things happen for a reason. I really do believe that. I don't believe that everything is is uh, easy to decipher as to why, but being ready, you guys, is the biggest lie that we tell ourselves. So I want you to remember a few things as you are going out in life and navigating the messy, okay? I want you to be absolutely ruthless in your pursuit. I want you to focus on what fills your cup before you focus on filling others. If you catch yourself constantly complaining about your job, constantly complaining about how unfulfilled you are, constantly complaining about how you haven't had a raise and you don't know how long, constantly complaining that you, you are just dying to take a vacation, it's time to think about something else. It's time to think about creating your own financial freedom. Never let the fear of failure stop you from what you could be. Because if you have the idea of doing something and you never act on it, that idea will not go away. I thought about starting my own fitness coaching company in college, but I thought that I was too far into my degree to back out. I don't have any regrets. TV taught me so much, guys. And I really did love it. I really was good at it, but I just never had the experience that I always dreamt I would have. And the last reminder, always, always, always pour every single part of your being into what you love. And I promise you, you'll never fail. If you are pouring every single part of your being into what you love, into what you are passionate about, you're not going to fail. So I hope that gave you a little insight into me, my journey, and hopefully that can help you on your journey as you are navigating your way as well. And if you have any questions, you guys know I'm always, always, always available to chat uh, in the DMs on Instagram or wherever else you guys can find me, um, Facebook groups and that stuff. But just remember, you have this one life. You have one life. Can you see yourself doing what you're doing now in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, 40 years? If the thought of that makes you panic a little bit, this is your nudge to reevaluate. 
All right, y'all have an amazing day and I'll catch you on the next one. I want to give you a virtual high five for finishing another episode of the Tailored Living Podcast. If you're looking for a community of badass go-getters to bounce ideas and answer questions, join my exclusive goal-getter community on Facebook. The link's waiting for you on Instagram. Until next time, bye y'all.